This is episode number 101 of the Middle Country Public Library podcast. Hello and welcome. I'm Sal DiVincenzo, joined by my fabulous colleagues, Sarah Fate. Hey. Nicole Rambo. Hello. And in the studio, a special guest, Alessandro mm. Tricoli. Hello. How are you? <laughs> Very good. Very N- good. Nicole, why is Alessandro here today? Yes, yeah, so we're super lucky to have in studio today Alessandro, who's a physicist, a PhD, who's working at Brookhaven National Lab right now. And on Tuesday, the 21st, he's going to be at the library giving a whole talk about the universe, which I'm sure is like a lot going on, but he's going to talk about the most fun parts and stuff. So we're really lucky to have him here today to kind of talk a little bit about his background and you know what he's been doing and then give a little teaser of what to expect on Tuesday so you guys can come out and learn a little bit more about that as well. Yeah, thanks so, for coming Thank down. you so much yeah. for being here. Thank you for having me. <laughs> All right, so let's jump into it. Um, you want to just talk about, a little bit about who you are, you know, where you're from, a little bit about your background? Yes, as you can tell from my accent, <laughs> I'm Italian. Um, I was born in a little town uh, called Modena in north of Italy, which is uh, mostly famous for food like tortellini or balsamic vinegar oh, or yeah. fast cars like yeah. <laughs> Ferrari or Maserati. Very nice. nice. But not f- <laughs> much for physics. Um, nevertheless, I started loving physics when I was very young. Mm-hmm. And um, mostly um, astronomy, in fact. And then I asked my parents to uh, buy me a little telescope. Uh, and then I read a lot. And then I loved it. And then I ended up doing physics at university uh, in Italy, in Bologna. And then from there, I did a PhD in the UK, in Oxford University. And then I spent um, many years at CERN Laboratory in Geneva, one of the biggest laboratories in the field, uh-huh. uh, in the world. Very exciting place to be. And then I'm here. Now I'm at Brookhaven Lab. I've been here for four years and a very exciting place. And uh, I love to be here. What about it when you were younger? Like why physics or why, you know, why this particular field of science? I always was fascinated by the universe. Mm -hmm. And um, beginning it was really looking at stars, galaxies, understanding what black holes uh, are. And then with time, and one teacher mm-hmm. at uh, high school told me, I think you will love physics. And in fact, I did. Um, but despite that, I did classics at high school, a lot of Latin, a lot of Greek, uh, ancient Greek. Um, but my passion was always science. And then I did physics university, and I loved physics, and I started loving mathematics. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then I became experimentalist. And then... Um, I was involved in big experiments like the one at CERN Laboratory, trying to understand the um, fundamental principles uh, that govern uh, subatomic particles, tiny little objects that live inside the nucleus of an atom. Mm. And with time understood that understanding those little particles and the laws of nature that govern those fundamental particles really help us understand the universe. So I made a full circle (laughs) uh, from astronomy, astrophysics, Mm -hmm. down to um, subatomic physics. Uh, And uh, now I see that it's all one single science Mm -hmm. that we study in different ways, but the universe is one and science is one. Wow, that's so lovely. I don't really know anything of what you said, but it sounded really good. I understand. Yeah. I understood it all. Yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> Come on Tuesday, yeah. uh, <laughs> January 21st, 6 p.m. at the library. Yeah. <laughs>
Um, so you spoke a little bit about um, your career trajectory, but how did you actually get involved in Brookhaven National Laboratory? Yes, because I was working at CERN Laboratory, a European laboratory with many Americans, too, working one of the biggest experiments ever developed by humankind. It's a big accelerator mm. that collides protons against protons. Protons are fundamental particles inside the nucleus of an atom. We smash them at highest possible energy we ever achieved by mankind on Earth. And um, from these collisions, we produce many other particles. And I will explain more on Tuesday mm -hmm. in our lecture, but um, we are upgrading this detector um, to make it more powerful in a few years from now. And Brookhaven National Lab is uh, leading this effort to build a new detector uh, made of silicon that will allow us to understand better these fundamental particles. And uh, one of the biggest challenges is understand the origin of mass. And we discovered in 2012 uh, a particle that was uh, discovered theoretically in, uh, in the 60s. That we discovered experimentally and it was served only in 2012 and that led to Nobel Prize. This particle is called Higgs boson. And uh, since the discovery, we have many more questions to answer. And at what we do at Brookhaven Lab, we try to build detectors that will go to CERN to make the LHC, this Large Hadron Collider, this big accelerator, um, even more powerful. Mm. Wow. That That's sounds awesome. Stuff is this happening. like a multiverse thing? <laughs> there are theories yeah. about multiverse. Yes. Yeah. So, so I live out east. I live very close to the laboratory. Is all this safe? Because a lot of people ask, you know, are concerned about is it safe having this big collider out there? Is it safe? Absolutely. Yeah. In fact, so what I described so far is um, this collider that is a CERN laboratory in Switzerland um, at the border with France in Geneva. However, we have a big accelerator complex at Brookhaven Lab. Uh, and in fact, just a few days ago, this is a big news also for your uh, audience. Brookhaven National Lab has been decided as a host of a new collider called Electron-Ion Collider that will bring thousands of jobs uh, to Long Island, to the, um, to the area. And we'll uh, try to understand the uh, force that holds these little particles inside the nucleus of the atom. Going back to your question, mm -hmm. yes, it's very safe because uh, we control the collider. When we inject the beam of particles, we control when we inject the beam, when the beam stop. So it's very controlled environment. Okay, cool. Well, so no cool. black holes opening up. And no. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so uh, if you want to give a little, just a little taste, a little teaser of what you're kind of going to be talking about on Tuesday, because it's the program is called The Universe Talk, and you mentioned um, as well in the flyer that you're going to be bringing some things to show, right? right yes. So. Uh, I will bring some uh, little detectors mm -hmm. uh, that we're all developing at Brookhaven National Lab uh, that I'm working on directly. But what I will discuss in this lecture is um, pretty much what I said earlier, trying to understand the universe from two different points of view. One, looking at the sky, looking not only at the planets in our solar system or other stars in our galaxy, but other galaxies, clusters of galaxies. And the further you go in space, the further you go in time as well. And in this um, um, environment um, in the cosmos, gravity, the laws of gravity, 
uh, are ruling. However, to understand the universe the way it is now, the way it was in the past, and the way it will be in the future, we have to understand the fundamental particles inside the nucleus <coughs> of the atom. And in this world of uh, very tiny little particles inside the nucleus of the atom, different types of uh, laws uh, rule. And they're very different from our understanding of the world uh, as macroscopic objects. That is the world of quantum mechanics. And it's very important, critical to understand quantum mechanics to understand the universe. So I will try to describe that, how quantum mechanics and fundamental particles are critical to understand the evolution of the universe, understand the, the mystery of mass of the universe and the evolution of the universe in the future. And do you think this is something that you, uh, I mean, I, I know you can, but like for like literally, again, I, I, I know what you're saying in the words, but like, how do you make it interesting and, um, or not even interesting, obviously in interesting, but how do you make it so that a general lay person like yeah. us, like mm -hmm. understand what you're saying? Yeah. So I will uh, show you um, things which we thought were invisible mm -hmm. just a few years ago. Mm -hmm. I will show you pictures of black holes. And black holes, uh, as the name says, are objects are black, mm -hmm. but nevertheless we can see. And these black holes are strange objects in the universe where um, the density of a mass is so high that nothing can escape, not even light. Nevertheless, we can see them now. Mm -hmm. uh, but also we can infer their presence in the universe using advanced techniques, um, looking at gravitational waves. Mm -hmm. So I will show some pictures, I will show some animations, yeah, I will show some films, yeah. and I also will show you how this fundamental science helps our daily life. For example, the invention of a World Wide Web mm -hmm. came from CERN laboratory for physicists. Wow. And then we all use it on a daily basis. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And a lot of spin-off, for example, we use accelerators to diagnose cancer. There's a lot of benefits mm -hmm. from mm -hmm. fundamental science. So I will show you some pictures, animations, and describe the benefits of science uh, for humankind as lar at large. Great. That's exciting. So you, you, ha you seem to have a lot of passion for what you do. We can hear it in yes. your voice yes. when you yes. describe this. Yeah. For, someone, for a young person or a teen who is interested in getting involved with this, in this field, uh, what can they do? What should they do to, to kind of move forward in, in this field? As all scientists, especially teens, they should be curious and it should be questioning everything they do not understand. These are two fundamental attributes they should have to become a scientist. And hopefully, as they become a scientist, it will keep curiosity and, and they be uh, still questioning everything they think they know. But also, on a, on a practical basis, um, teens should uh, read a lot, look at documentaries, um, and attend lectures, mm -hmm. but also join scientists. For example, for example, at Brookhaven National Lab, we have summer programs for high school students. They can come and for weeks work with us uh, on some cool experiments. But also we have open days to the public where everyone can come and see our accelerator complex, talk to scientists. And talking to scientists, they will see how passionate we are. And what is really driving us is passion for science. Excellent. That's awesome. There was a teen who was interning at mm -hmm. NASA. He just like found a planet. 
right? <laughs> <laughs> it was like an intern and he like did something and found a planet that they didn't know was there. So even if you're young, it doesn't mean that you can't learn and even possibly contribute and like work alongside you guys, mm -hmm. right? Like, absolutely, yeah. absolutely. In fact, uh, we had students who will help us a lot in our research mm -hmm. uh, and then they may stay longer. Mm. So um, again, there's no age limit <laughs> uh, on upper side, on the lower side, mm -hmm. just curiosity uh, and be involved. I have a question for you. Is there any book or movie or even TV show that you enjoy that you feel properly represents what you do and, and your, your career and, and your profession? I became passionate about science, especially physics, when I was a teen reading uh, an old book, uh, but a fascinating book by Stephen Hawking, mm -hmm. uh, The Brief History of Time. Um, it's a fascinating book, extremely well written by leading science, scientists who unfortunately passed away uh, recently. But mm. that book really opened up new questions for me and really made me curious about physics and science and really understood how complex but how beautiful science is. Great. Very cool. Awesome. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure we have that book here, so yep. <laughs> <laughs> we'll put it in the show notes. You guys can take it out. Well, I'm definitely going to come to the lecture on mm -hmm. Tuesday. I'm very excited for it. So it's Tuesday, January 21st, 6.30 to 8. Excellent. Yep, yes. uh, here in the Center Reach building. Nice. So make sure you guys can come. It's for um, teens and adults. So anyone 13 and up yep. pretty much mm -hmm. can attend. So if you or someone else uh, that you know is interested, bring them out. And you will also, you do this um, lecture, this um, presentation at other places too, right? You'll do it for like different groups and stuff, different libraries? Yes, uh, I, uh, I have this lecture and other types of lectures I do okay. in other libraries. Uh, different spins, I focus on different subjects. Mm -hmm. Uh, in this one, I focus on the universe and the mystery of, of mass and energy. In other lectures, I focus maybe more on the fate of the universe. What will be the future of the universe, knowing how it is now and how it was in the past. Mm. Oh, okay. Well, I'll book you for that one. We <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, thank you so much for being here. Really appreciate it. It's a great talk. Yeah. Thanks so much. Thank you for having me. So that does it for this episode of the podcast. If you want to listen to older episodes or read our show notes, visit our website, mcplibrary.org forward slash podcasts, or visit our Podbean site. If you want to interact with us, if maybe you have a, a question for Alessandro, you can actually put that in our comment section. That's mcplpodcast.com. And if you want to email us, we do have an email. Send us an email. Tell us how awesome this show is. It's podcast at mcplibrary.org. So for Sarah Fade and Nicole Rambo and Alessandro Tricoli, I'm Sal DiVincenzo. We'll see you on the next show.